My Seven Chakras, episode 272. We know what we are, but not what we may become. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the podcast where our focus is to remind you of your inner hero so that you can zoom towards realizing your true purpose. So if you're new to our show, then I want to give you a warm, warm welcome. Now, before we actually begin today's episode, I've got uh, a gift for you. If you've been planning to start balancing your seven chakras, then I want to help you get started right away with a free gift. To download your free chakra balancing meditation with visit my7chakras.com forward slash chakra meditation. That's my7chakras.com forward slash chakra meditation. Especially if this is your first time, balancing your chakras uh, can be an incredibly uh, amazing experience. And that experience can provide you a deeper level of clarity, alignment, and connection as well. So you must check out this meditation that I have in store for you. Visit my7chakras.com forward slash chakra meditation to get started. And that, with that being said, I want to introduce you to our special guest for today, Anadea Judith. So, Anadea, are you ready to inspire? I am ready to inspire. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. So, Anadea Judith is a globally recognized teacher and writer on the chakra system. She's the author of nine books on the subject, including the classics Wheels of Life and Eastern Body, Western Mind, and a most recent, Charge and the Energy Body. She holds master's and doctoral degrees in psychology and health and teaches workshops worldwide. And this is not her first episode uh, on our show. She last appeared way back on episode 73, and today is 272. So that's about 200 episodes, which is a long time, especially in the podcasting world, right? So to listen to that particular episode, go to my7chakras.com forward slash 73. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 73. And you can listen to that episode uh, before this particular one. But if you have already, uh, I wanted to quickly provide you some context into why you must listen to this episode till the very end. Okay, you see, I believe that energy medicine is the medicine of the future, and most of this knowledge, whether you're talking about the chakras, the nadis, the dantians, mo- most of it is rooted in our past. When we want to learn about our energy body, we can often get sucked into an intellectual pursuit rather than an experiential one, which I believe is so important. So my attempt, as always, is to break things down and make things really simple to understand and also share and discuss stories about chakra healing because if someone has experienced it, then you can too. So if there's one thing I request you to do, is to listen to the very end and send me an email about your thoughts on today's episode. My email is aj at my7chakras.com. That's aj at my7chakras.com. All right. So thanks a lot for joining me, Anadea. Thank you. Let's get going. 
Awesome. I'm, in, I'm ready to inspire. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, I mean, speaking about inspiring, we usually start our episode with an inspiring quote or an inspirational quote. So what's your favorite quote these days and how do you apply it in your life? Well, I go to a quote from Shakespeare. He's always good for quoting. And that is, we know what we are, but not what we may become. And I think of a cartoon I saw once where two caterpillars are down on the ground looking up at a butterfly in the tree. And one of them says to the other, you know, you're never going to get me up in one of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one of the caterpillars up in the wings. But we we have this definition of who we are and that life is just like that. But we don't, don't know what we be, can become. And this is the mystery mm-hmm. that we are exploring at this time. What can we become as individuals? What can we become as a society, as a global civilization? We're on the brink of a new rebirth into something that is unimaginable. Wonderful, wonderful. I love this quote really because it's so true that sometimes we tend to get attached to the identity of who we think we are. But the truth is that we are not that teacher or that professor or that scientist or that doctor, that identity that we've attached to so deeply. And I guess once in a while, we need to let go of that identity because as we're learning in each and every episode, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And once we have that perspective, change is going to become much more easier and we can step into who or what we may become in the future. So thanks a lot for that wonderful quote. I really love the quote. Uh, and with that, let's begin. So Anadea, what inspired you to write your book, Charge and the Energy Body? Well, I've been teaching about the chakras for 40 years, and mm. I've been traveling around, and I've also been a somatic psychotherapist, meaning I work with the body. And so I've worked with thousands of clients over you know, the 40 years. And the questions that my students ask and the issues that my clients struggle with all seem to center around their charge, or at least the answers to the questions my students ask Mm -hmm. are about understanding this life force energy that we have. And, you know, people understand it as something that acupuncturists move around when they, you know, tap on meridians or put needles in your skin, Mm -hmm. um, that martial artists work with, that yogis call it prana. You know, everyone's talking talking about the same thing but when we use the word charge we understand that it has an emotional and psychological aspect Mm -hmm. so someone you know maybe having a big charge on their ex-husband that they can't get over or someone may be so tired all the time that they're undercharged and you know that word Word works better than saying, well, you still have a lot of prana on your ex-husband. That doesn't quite make sense. But, you know, you can even use this with a child. You're all charged up about this, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And and that charge can be positive or negative, but it's something we can relate to in our energy body. Got it. Got it. So I'm sure everyone listening to this episode can relate to instances when they just feel that energy deep within, right? They're charged up. They feel excited. Um about what is to come, whether it's a new vacation that they've planned or maybe they're starting a new job and uh, they just feel it. But again, putting a word to it, I guess, makes sense. Uh, And in many cases is much more relatable than when you say prana. 
right? Exactly. And the thing I also want to say is charge can be positive or negative okay. depending on how we experience it. So you can be charged up about going on vacation okay. or you can have a big charge of fear when you're about to step in front of an audience and speak to people. Or you can have a charge of anger, you can have a charge of sadness, or you can have a sexual charge. You know, eroticism mm. is a sexual charge. So charge comes in many different forms. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for clarifying that. It can be positive as well as negative as well as, I'm not sure how you define sexual charges. That, that, that would be positive, right? <laughs> well, you know, in all of the positive or negative, my answer is it depends. It depends. You know, anger can be a very productive emotion. You can set your boundaries and right. you can take charge and it's the, you know, starts revolutions. And anger can also be destructive. Fear can motivate you to get something done or fear can be pa paralyzing. So even sexual charge, it's positive if you're with your lover and it's yes. an agreed upon circumstance. And it's negative if someone's putting their sexual charge on you that you don't want. Yes. Um, so all of it really depends on our framing of it. The charge, I would even say charge is essentially neutral, but when it comes through your own system, you experience it as positive or negative. Okay, I get it. So charge is neutral, but once it comes into our body, we give, we give it a meaning, whether it's positive or negative, and we process it, and the manifestation of that can either be positive or negative. And I love that you said it depends on situation to situation. Now, you speak about mastering one's own charge, right, in your book. So could you talk to us about what are, what are some of the benefits of mastering your own charge? Well, let me first talk about how we don't master it. You know, when people's okay. charge comes up, they typically do one or another thing, maybe some combination. They either suppress it and they say, oh, I have to control myself. I have to shut down and I have to lock down on my feelings. And if they do that habitually, after a while, they don't have very much energy because their body's shutting down. Mm -hmm. Or other people have a big charge and they say, I have to get rid of it. I feel angry, so I have to dump my anger on you. I feel restless, so I have to go do something compulsively. And, you know, that's either getting rid of it or suppressing it. So mm. mastering your charge is doing neither of those things. It's saying, oh, hello, charge. Here you are. You're my life force. And this is whether we experience it as fear or excitement. doesn't matter. Here, mm. oh, you're my life force. I'm going to welcome you into my body. And I'm going to unlock the places that I, I lock up against it so I can have a free flow of charge moving through my whole body. And that brings us greater aliveness, greater awareness, right. greater sensitivity, and a kind of awakening. Got it, got it. I love that. So you said being mindful of the presence of the charge in your body is important, right? Because that can uh, improve the quality of your life. And on the contrary, not noticing or just suppressing those charges that come into your body from time to time, that can have a negative impact on our body, right? So you've written yes. that uh, how we manage our charges can determine not only our state of mind, but also our body type. Is that correct? Absolutely. And different people, People will handle the charge in different ways. Oh. Some people lock down on their body and they send it all up into their head. And they're very smart, but they're you know very cerebral. 
cerebral and they aren't very embodied. Okay. Some people put charge into their relationships. Some people put it into activity, accomplishing things, getting things done. Uh, some people put it into anger and controlling others. I mean, different people do different things with it. And this creates patterns that will actually show up in your body structure. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful. And this takes time, right? I mean, it's not something that happens immediately. Sometimes months, years go by, and then ultimately the result is that change in that body type. Yeah, and it starts even when we're born, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And when we're born, we're full of charge. And then we yeah. learn to handle it, you know, and the parents say, be quiet, hold still, shut up, you know, mm -hmm. stop doing that, don't do this, and we start to pull it in. Or someone feels like, you know, oh, if I'm going to be seen in this family, I have to get really loud and noisy and demanding. And so they buff up their charge. You know, so people develop patterns in childhood and they're still growing their bodies yeah. when they're children. So they're actually growing their bodies around the way they shape charge. And okay. we call that body armor. Got it. Got it. Now, you write about. C-O-R-E. So could you talk to us about what exactly this means, core? Well, ultimately, to master our charge, we want to be able to be in the center of our charge, to send okay. it right up and down the core of the body. The core of the body is where the chakras reside. And mm -hmm. it is the most direct connection between heaven and earth that goes through the center of each and every one of us. So when people have a charge, sometimes they, you know, move their head to the side, they, you know, slump one shoulder, they get out of the center of their charge. So when I'm working with a client or a student, I help them get into their core. I say that that stands for consciousness organized in relation to energy. So what's inside us is consciousness. You know, when you say go inside, you're going into your awareness. And we organize at that core according to the energy that's inside us and the energy that's around us. Mm -hmm. And so that's our core, consciousness organized in relation to energy. We want that core to be aligned, and then all the chakras are aligned, and that's how they work the best. Got it. So consciousness organized in relation to energy action tribe the idea is to align all your energies along the energy highway of your body which connects your tip of your tailbone to the crown of your head and this is the energy highway where all your seven chakras major seven chakras are aligned so anadia i'm sure many of our listeners are really fascinated by what you just described could you for the benefit of our listeners talk to us about what does staying in the core look like could you describe it for us well, there's a very simple practice I can share that I start all my classes out with and that I start myself out with when I meditate or sit mm -hmm. down at my computer or sit down to a meal. And that is that you um, press your sitting bones down into your chair and mm -hmm. slightly press your tailbone toward the back of your body. And as you do that, it begins to tone up the torso. So I talk about sending the roots down, imaginary roots that come out of the base of your spine, and you send them down into the earth. That creates your grounding. Mm -hmm. And at the same time you're sending your, your roots down, you lift your crown up to the heavens. And as you stretch out your spine, pulling the top up and the bottom down, it's like pulling a necklace 
of jewels, the two ends of the necklace apart, well, all the jewels start to line up as mm. that string that connects them becomes taut. So as we lift the crown and extend our roots down, we start to come into alignment with our seven chakras. Mm -hmm. Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing that. And I love the analogy of the string of pearls. It really helps uh, understand what's going on with our chakras as well. Now, how do we go about determining which particular chakra is overcharged and which one is undercharged? Well, first we have to learn what charge feels like in the body. Okay. And so then you can notice what where's my charge going in this moment? So let's say I'm working with a client okay. and she's talking about some, you know, traumatic experience from her childhood. Something that I often see is as the charge comes up in the body, suddenly the voice gets really tiny and tight and I can see everything mm -hmm. tighten around the neck and the shoulders. And so I know that's where the charge is going. It's going to the heart chakra and the fifth chakra. Now, it's not necessarily going there in a good way because that tightening is, is the body's habitual response to lock down on the charge instead of let it come through. But I know that's where I have to work to allow that charge to open. And if it's coming into the throat chakra, I might say, well, what is it that really wants to be said here? What is your truth right now? Or what do you feel in your heart right now? For other people, it may come into the, their belly, their solar plexus. That would be the third chakra. Mm -hmm. For some people, it comes right into their legs or it goes up into their head. So you can actually feel it as a kind of activation in the body, a tension, if you will. You know, it, it it's, uh, feels a little bit like tension when it's locked up mm -hmm. and um, you can notice where that is in the body and so you know when I'm working with clients if I can't see it which I usually can you know I'll just say okay do you feel a charge on that right now and they go oh, yeah and I'll go where do you feel it in your body and they'll say oh I feel it in my belly and I'll go well what's your belly doing oh it's tightening into a hard ball mm -hmm. well I know belly is third chakra and third chakra is charge arises for action so i know that charge is going there because it wants to do something so i'll say well what does it want to do if the charge goes into the throat i know that's communication so yeah. i'll say okay that charge has to it wants to say something what does it want to say uh so depending on what chakra i can start of unlock the charge to complete its mission if you will Got it, got it. So thanks a lot for sharing. Now, in your book, you speak about the four stages of charge, right? So could you explain those stages from maybe the sacral chakra perspective? Because uh, you do talk about uh, the four stages in terms of sexual sexuality or expression of it. Yeah, the four stages, um, and it can apply to many things, but the easiest example is sexuality, mm -hmm. is a stimulus then a tension building, or the charge builds, then a discharge, and then relaxation. So let's take this, you know, uh, an example. So a stimulus, if we're talking sexuality, might be you see someone attractive across the room at a party, and you feel a little charge. You're attracted to that person, and that person's attracted to you. There's a little mutual charge going along. You might flirt a little bit. Mm -hmm. And as you flirt, the charge will build. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, uh, it's someone that, you know, you're, you're already intimate with or something or you end up in an intimate situation, then engaging with each 
under kissing, touching will build the charge. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, in sexuality, the discharge is an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And after that, the charge slides down the bell curve into a relaxation. But this can apply to an argument. You know, you say something that irritates me and then I say something bad and the argument escalates and then finally it gets to the point where somebody has an outburst and said well i just thought you were going to leave me or something like that and then after that's out it kind of settles down into relaxation and the people can hear each other better a good therapy session follows this you know let's talk about this issue with your mother again that we touched on last week and then let's go into it a little deeper and the charge builds and then maybe that person cries or you know or expresses some anger and then in that discharge after the discharge is down there's a deeper relaxation and I sort of bring in some healing imagery a good yoga class you know a good Mm -hmm. workshop follows this so it's it's a good model oh absolutely and in I think puts into context all the experiences that we have on a daily basis, the interactions, uh, and also the various activities that we do, like you mentioned, uh, a yoga class, or maybe just venting our anger and expressing it, all of that could be put into this four-step process of stimulus, attention, discharge, and then relaxation. So how do we go about identifying the charges that no longer serve service and and then maybe release them what's the process like yeah well i would say it's not so much that the charge does no longer serves us our response to the charge no longer serves us Mm -hmm. so if a charge is coming up into your heart chakra and you are locking up your heart and making your breathing shallow and you know tightening the muscles in your chest That's the behavior that no longer serves you. It's not in the charge. The charge is golden. We want to harvest that that charge into our tissues. But that belief system that I'm unlovable and I'll never have a good relationship and people just hurt me, that would be something that no longer serves you. And that's locking up your charge. So, you know, healing depends on changing the beliefs, changing the energy, and often changing the body. So if the heart chakra typically locks up and there's tension in the muscles around the chest, changing the body might look like, like you know, doing cobras, which is a you know yoga pose, mm-hmm. or um, you know camel pose in yoga, or doing things that open and stretch the muscles of the chest. Uh, could be a dance move or working out at the gym. Um, so that works it on a physical level. Working on it on an energetic level is feeling the energy and allowing it to move past the blocks. And then working on on the the mental level is about what are the beliefs and stories that you're telling yourself Mm -hmm. uh, around this issue that might no longer serve you. Wonderful, wonderful. So it's so fascinating to note that a subtle shift in the way you're holding your body can impact the way you think as well as your emotions, right? And now, like you mentioned, if you layer that with some energy sensitivity, your ability to sense the subtle energies that are running through your body, that's going to make it even better for you to shift your state, right? Exactly, yeah. But I would say just changing your belief all by itself without doing the energy work or the physical work, um, it doesn't necessarily change it. No, right? Okay. So it has to be not just the beliefs, but it has to be working on your physical 
body as well, your 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 posture and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Got it. So you really got mind, body, and energy working all three of those. Great, great. Now, Anadia, could you take us back to the very first time that you heard the word chakra? Where were you, and uh, what was the situation like? I was reading a book by Ramdas. It was okay. called The Only Dance There Is. Mm-hmm. And that was back in 1975. And I read the word chakra and I just stopped right there on the page and felt like a current of energy going through me. Mm-hmm. And then I read further and started reading other, you know, looking it up. And most of the writers at the time were saying upper chakra is good, lower chakra is bad, evil, shut them down. Mm-hmm. And from the start, I said to myself, that's not right. And, um, you know, why would we have seven chakras only to repress half of them? You know, that that doesn't make sense. So I started doing deeper research into some of the old texts, and they actually don't say that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the chakras are building blocks, just like the foundation is a building block for the walls and the roof. And you can't let go of that. We can't let go of our body. We live in physical bodies. We live on the physical plane of the earth we have to deal with that plane and that plane actually supports us in fact the name of the first chakra muladhara Mm -hmm. means root support yeah it's the support that comes from having a solid foundation and roots going deep into the earth and if you Mm -hmm. think about that a plant or a tree can only grow tall grow up toward the heavens when it's in soil where the roots can go deep Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. So I guess, especially a person who might be very in tune with their psychic gifts or awareness or maybe divine connection and oneness to the universe, they need to also work on their root in order to strengthen that connection with Earth as well as to, in many ways, express their personal power, right? Yes, exactly. Got it. Awesome. So, uh, Anadia, could you talk to us about the difference between chakra balancing, cleansing, and opening? Because this is a question that we often get. So you have these terms that get heard quite often, which is chakra balancing, chakra cleansing, and chakra opening. So is there a difference at all? Oh, yeah, I think there is. Um, let's let's talk about each one of those. Okay. So people say, oh, you got to open your chakras. Yeah. Well, some chakras, in my opinion, are too open. Do you know anybody that just talks nonstop and dominates the conversation? That's what I would call an excessive fifth chakra. Mm -hmm. Or someone that always has to control everything, that would be an excessive third chakra. So sometimes they're too open. So then we want to balance it. And balancing has to do with the amount of charge. Mm -hmm. A chakra can be overcharged, or what I call excessive which means we do too much of that thing or we're fixated on that. Or it can be undercharged, meaning that we avoid it. So, you know, let's say you don't want to feel your feelings, then Mm. you might shut down your second chakra and avoid it, and then it doesn't carry very much charge anymore. Uh, Or you don't want to risk falling in love, so you shut down your heart. That would be a deficient fourth chakra. So balancing is... You know, opening up the ones that are deficient, bringing more charge and more openness in the body into that area. And an excessive chakra, they need to discharge. They need to get rid of some of their attachment on that level. 
You know, the person that talks too much needs to practice listening a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The person that exhausts themselves from doing things all the time needs to rest. So, you know, we need to back off on the excess. So that's what balancing means to me. Now, cleansing the chakra, uh, to me, is moving out the patterns that we have established that no longer serve us. You know, we talked Mm -hmm. about that a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. So um, letting go of that pattern of being afraid or letting go of that pattern of having to talk too much um, or or, you know, feeling paralyzed around taking action or over-emotional, letting go of those patterns. Now, I'm not one that believes that just waving your hands over the chakra necessarily gets rid of or alters these deep patterns in the psyche. I think it's sort of like a massage or combing your hair Mm -hmm. or taking a shower. You feel better. But taking a shower is not going to heal a broken bone. And, you know, combing your hair on the opposite side is not going to make your brain work better. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I think there's thing. you know, and I go and I get massage and I, I love to get body work and I feel better when I get off the table. And, you know, that's great for about three days. And then my internal patterns will put that tension back in my shoulders again. Right. So um, really getting at the deep patterns, that allows it to change permanently. But, you know, the kind of healing that people do where they're working energetically in the surface of the body can give somebody a different experience of being. They can say, oh, this is what it's like to feel lighter. This is what it's like to feel more balanced. And the more you create that, the more the brain wants to go there. Got it, got it. Now, uh, Zig Ziglar said that motivation is like taking a shower. You got to do it each and every day, just like taking a shower. And I guess chakra balancing and chakra work is also like that, right? You Just because you do one chakra meditation doesn't mean that that particular charge is cleared or that chakra is open, that needs to be, or those set of chakras are balanced. It's an ongoing process, right? Absolutely. It's a practice. And that practice, practice takes you deeper and deeper into your soul. I call the chakra system the architecture of the soul. But uh, it's not like if, if you do an exercise once, that chakra is cleared forever and ever, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, just like taking a shower. It's not like I do it once and then I'm clean for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. And we've got some pretty exciting, uh, interesting questions from our listeners uh, to come uh, come up soon. And some of those deal with the same topic that we're speaking about. Uh, but for now, Anadia, could you talk to us about Shiva and Shakti and how they relate to the chakras and the charges? Yes. Shiva and Shakti are deities from the, the Hindu pantheon. And they represent the different polarities in the chakra system. So Shakti is the primordial energy. She's the goddess. She is the energy that enlivens everything. She's the charge that's in the plants and the trees and the animals and the air and and people and and everything. Everything is Shakti. Mm -hmm. Shiva is consciousness, intelligence. And it is intelligence that actually gives form to energy. Think of a class of five-year-old kindergartners. You know, they're full of energy, and if they're left alone in the class, everything's going to be a mess. Mm -hmm. But if an 
adult with intelligence comes in, they're going to say, okay, we put the crayons here and we put the blankets over here and things become ordered. So Shiva's intelligence acts upon Shakti and gives order to the energy that creates the myriad of things we have in the world. That's how I see it. So Shiva is more the crown chakra. Uh, Shakti is, her full name is Kundalini Shakti, and she is said to be like a serpent wrapped three and a half times around the base chakra, and then when awakened, she unwraps from the base chakra, and she rises up the chakra column, one at a time, piercing and awakening each chakra in turn. Shiva and Shakti are always moving toward each other. They're the primordial divine lovers that, you know, create all of existence. Wonderful. And the way you uh, shared that, the uh, story that you used took me back to a workshop I did with uh, school children recently, seventh and sixth graders. And I did a workshop on entrepreneurship and starting your own business. And it was, you know, analogous to what you shared, right? Because uh, just because you have a lot of energy, which is amazing, young energy, sometimes if you don't have that consciousness, or that intelligence that's facilitating that process of transmutation, uh, transmutation, then things can go uh, uh, wild pretty soon, right? Because kids tend to get distracted, tend to look around. So you do need that level of consciousness and direction to ensure that the result is uh, that of learning, is that of transformation, is that of uh, a new vision. Absolutely. I mean, it's all about consciousness. And so, you know, we, but it's consciousness alone. Now, if you have people with a lot of energy and no consciousness, that can create chaos. But yeah. if you have just, you know, the ideas and you don't have the energy to implement them, yes. well, that's a daydream. That's you know, a daydream, so, totally. <laughs> so you need both ends of the spectrum. And that's got what Shiva and Shakti represent, the two ends of the spectrum. Got it, got it. Now, you spoke about the awakening of the Kundalini serpent, right, which is usually dormant at the root chakra area. And then once awakened, it ascends upwards, right? So how do you go about, I know that can be a topic that we can speak about for the entire day, but could you give us an overview of how do you go about awakening your Kundalini? Well, there are many practices to awaken Kundalini, uh, you know, breath work, uh, there's Kundalini mm. Yoga, which is an entire, um, you know, sub sub chapter of yoga that is particular postures and putting the body under a certain kind of stress with breathing, holding your hands up in the air, whatnot, that are said to stimulate Kundalini. Um, in my work, I like to clear the way for Kundalini, so okay. that the Kundalini rising is not a extreme or violent or uncomfortable rising but it is a gentle slow awakening and that you know when what makes kundalini uncomfortable for some people is the charge is whoo it's waking up and then it pushes up against the block and when Mm -hmm. charge pushes up against the block it's really uncomfortable and it tends to stay stuck there so you know people might find it hard to you know, take a deep breath. They might find it hard to speak. They might, um, you know, just be uncomfortable, find it hard to sleep. But if you generally keep working with the chakras, clearing the way, then kundalini can be more like a river that gently permeates everything in your body and slowly rises up all the way to the crown. 
car. That definitely sounds like a much more enjoyable experience as opposed to having the Kundalini come across some of your blocks, especially if you've not done the work prior to that and then uh, having issues. Uh, so could you describe your Kundalini experience? Mm. The first time that it happened, was what was the story like? Well, that was a long time ago, and I was I was hanging out with a man who was a Zen practitioner, and he was six foot eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, I found my much taller than me. I'm about five foot eight, so he was about a foot taller than me. And I kept like walking around trying to lift up my crown to kind of lift up toward him. And, and uh, of course, we did a lot of meditation together. I was meditating about four hours a day at that time. And sleeping very little, because when you meditate that much, you don't need to sleep so much. And, and um, it was just like, oh, my goodness, you know, an energy was going in me. That's, you know, it's kind of like a, well, I couldn't, you know, I would say a cup of coffee going off. But that's so, you know, mundane for what the spiritual energy of Kundalini is really like. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was another time when... Uh, uh, I actually sat and got darshan from Muktananda, who was a Sita, Sita yoga guru a long time ago. He's no longer alive. And I went up in the Berkeley Hills after that and meditated. And I was flooded with the most intense and beautiful colors I have ever seen. Like one right after another. And it was like showing me the colors of all my chakras. But it wasn't like the red of any kind of paint. You know, it, okay. was, it was light. And mm. it was beautiful. Yeah, that's quite fascinating, right? The difference between paint and light. Because if you mix all the colors of paint, what you get is black. Yeah. But when you mix all the colors of light, what you get is white. That's and right. Primes that's too. right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, uh, for, so for those who are uh, right now pretty intrigued and fascinated about the Kundalini experience, what happens uh, after this awakening? Now, not particularly talking about the immediate uh, next steps, but what can a person expect in terms of certain life changes after this awakening experience? Well, I've, I've seen a lot of people who have had Kundalini awakenings over the years, and many have come to me to do work because it's been un- uncomfortable. You know, they can't sleep or, you know, they have irritating things in their body. But in general, if it can be freed up, people have deeper in- intuition, they see and sense things that they couldn't see and sense before. They have deeper meditations, deeper insight. They may feel that they can't lead life like they used to. They can't eat the same things they used to eat. They can't smoke or drink anymore. You know, the body becomes more sensitized. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, you know, having had this spiritual experience, it becomes hungry for that spiritual experience. You know, once you've tasted that, yeah. the mundane world uh, seems a little shallow by comparison. And so there's a hunger to experience that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not uh, awakened my kundalini yet, but I can definitely relate to experiencing or having a metaphysical experience for the very first time. And then that happened to me when I first activated my subtle energy sensitivity in my hand. It was as if I was you know, sleeping in this vast ocean of energies all throughout my life. And now that I was able to sense uh, my uh, energies and also sort of feel my chakras, it was, wow, if this is possible, then what else is out there, right? <laughs> right, and then you don't want to go back to sleep, do you? 
no you don't want to go back to sleep and uh, probably i should start meditating more because like you mentioned if you meditate more you do, you you need less uh, you know sleep on the bed right yes that's right <laughs> Got it. Now, uh, Anadia, we are going to go into a couple of questions from our listeners right now. Is that all right? Yeah, sure. Great. So, by the way, Action Tribe, if you're not part of our Facebook group already, because that's you know our inner Action Tribe, uh, where we discuss, chat, share, collaborate, and also answer some of the important questions of life, go to my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. That's my7chakras.com forward slash tribe and request access to our Facebook group and you'll be added in a couple of days. Action Tribe, if you've enjoyed today's session with Anadia Judith so far, then you'll definitely enjoy a masterclass training that she recently conducted entitled Discover How to Heal and Align Your 7 Chakras to Elevate Your Life and Bring Your Boldest Dreams into reality. Visit my7chakras.com forward slash 272 class. Now in this masterclass, you will discover how each chakra impacts key elements of your human experience from your wealth, your love life, your ability to communicate and more. You will learn how to rapidly diagnose which of your chakras are open or closed so you can identify which area of your life to focus your attention most. You'll also learn how to use the two-way chakra energy current so you can manifest your ideal life and tap into higher consciousness for inspiration. To start watching, visit www.my7chakras.com forward slash 272 class. 272 is today's episode number. So, my 7 is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash 272 class and start watching right away. So, Diana asks, can unbalanced chakras lead to certain conditions or disease? Uh, I believe they can. And that is, you know, we do too much of something or we do too little of something. Uh, you know, too little where you use muscular tension to shut down the charge and then that can create aches and pains. If we do too much of something, we can get exhausted, you know, someone that is excessive third chakra can be so busy doing, doing, doing that they, you know, exhaust their adrenal glands and they find themselves just chronically tired. Um, so, you know, if we do a pattern in an unbalanced way, it'll show up in the body. It'll show up in our life. Got it. So Christine asks, what is the biggest chakra imbalance in our world right now? I would say, uh, you know, that's a hard question because it's it it's kind of differs from culture to culture. But right. in general, I think that we are very blocked in our lower chakras, in our first chakra. People are not grounded. They're not in the body. Um, we have horrible birth practices that make that start right from the time you're coming into the world. We live in cities where our feet almost never touch the natural earth. And then that we get very grounded, ungrounded and out of touch with our body. So that's a first chakra imbalance. Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, Iona asks, my biggest problem is that if I don't sit down to balance them in the morning and night, within a couple of days, I feel that I'm off kilter and will start a downward spiral and maybe get into some sort of a depression. I wear crystals, but this is something that I'm just going to have to do every day forever. Or will they eventually balance? And maybe I have to not do this every day or twice a day. Well, I think having a practice that you do every day 
is very beneficial for training your nervous system to have a different experience, training your body. And you sit down to meditate and you bring your shoulders back and you practice good posture and deep breathing. You're actually training your body and your nervous system. So I think that that's good. But if it comes back after a couple days, then that means there's an underlying pattern that hasn't been cleared. And if you want the practice to have more benefit, it is worthwhile to maybe go to a therapist and work the energy on that level and say, you know, what is this? Maybe I need to clear out my anger at my father or my sadness that I lost my mother or whatever the issue is. Um, and then it's not going to, you know, then that it'll be more permanent. So Victoria asks, how are empathic abilities related to the chakras and how does one balance that? Ah, empathic abilities, the ability to feel someone else and there's a couple different levels on that there's one called clairsentience the ability to sense other people that i think of as um a gift of the second chakra or a curse you know some people can't shut that out they walk into a party and they feel everything that everybody's feeling and they're overwhelmed um you know then there's another kind of empathy of the heart where you can really you know, feel what another person is feeling that you're connected with insides, connecting to insides that creates intimacy. Um, so they, and then there's a the kind of empathy that might be, you know, you see it in your third eye in your sixth chakra, you have that intuition, you can see what someone else is feeling. Um, so it can happen in different chakras and mm -hmm. when it's uncomfortable, then we are not in our own core and we're too permeable in the energy body, meaning we're like a sponge that is absorbing everything. So a good practice for that is just to sit down and get back in your core. So you're in your own self. I call it running energy. I open my crown chakra and allow the energy to run downward through the inside of me, almost like taking a shower where you just stand in the shower and you let the hot water pour over and just run over your body and down into the drain well i allow this energy to run through the inside of me and right down the drain of the first chakra if you will um down into the earth and it's like cleanses me in the inside and then i'm living more in my core so that's a good practice for that um if we're too empathic we're in other people's spaces more than we're in our own so practice being in the core and then having a little bit better boundaries. Wonderful. Now, uh, thanks a lot for sharing and answering all those questions. Anadea, based on what we've shared so far, what we've discussed so far, what is that one action step that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Well, when you feel this sense of activation in your body that I'm calling charge, stop and notice it. Get out of the story of what caused the charge. Oh, you did this to me or you never listen or whatever. Get out of that story and go, what am I feeling in my own body? And welcome that charge into your body. Say, oh, this is my life force. I don't need to lock up against it. And see if you can feel what muscles are tightening and focus on those and gradually encourage them to relax. And as you do the charge will start to move through your body like a warmth or a tingling. And that's what I call harvesting the charge. That's how we become the masters of our charge. 
So Action Tribe, to read the entire show notes for today's episode, including all the stuff that was discussed, the links that were shared, inspirational quotes, the book recommendations, and things that you might not have been able to capture right away, especially if you're in transit or maybe you're outdoors, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 272, which is the episode for today, my7chakras.com forward slash 272, and you'll get all the information pertaining to today's episode right away. Action Tribe, I hope you are enjoying today's session so far and have deepened your knowledge about the chakras, our energy body and our charges. We still have the last round for today's show still left, so don't stop listening. But before that, let me ask you, what is your purpose? What are you meant to do on this earth? Now, while that might seem like a pretty loaded question, I feel it's not. You have all the answers that you need and you know what? the next step is going to be. In fact, you already have a team of spirit guides who are constantly trying to remind you of your chosen path by sending you signs and numbers and symbols and synchronicities along your way. And you probably are already aware of that. You just need to tune in and tune into your energies and into the flow of yourself to notice these signs. What has helped me is to really do things that I enjoy the most stuff that fascinates me and gets me excited and things that lighten up my charge like we're you know discussing in today's episode and as you might have already guessed for me it's talking about the energy systems the chakras the aura our quantum universe all of this fascinates me so i let myself be drawn by the bliss that i experience every time i have um these discussions and these experiences. So I suggest that you do the same because like Joseph Campbell put, if you do follow your bliss, you put yourself on a kind of track that has been there for all the while waiting for you. And the life that you ought to be living is the one you are living. Follow your bliss and don't be afraid and the doors will open where you didn't know they were going to be. And with that, we have come to the last round. So, Anadea, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? I got that piece of advice when I was in college taking an art class. And my art teacher said to me, there are no good artists. There are no bad artists. There are just those who really do it. And that means if you're drawing a hand instead of making five little bumps for the fingers, you actually draw the bones and the fingernails and the lines on the hand and you study the anatomy. But I realized that 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 applies to everything. It's not that there's good yogis or bad yogis. There's people who really do the practice. There's people who, if I'm writing a book, can I just sit down and whip off anything out of the top of my head or do I really do it? Do I do the research? Do I write and rewrite and do it over and over again? So, you know, it's not about being good at something. It's about really, really doing it. And that is applies to everything, relationship, health, all that. So if you could turn back time and spend one hour with any person who is dead or living, who would it be? Carl Jung. Got it. I, I love Carl Jung and his, his mythical perspective and his understanding of the psyche and his mixture of the psyche with spirituality. I think he, he is one of the wisest beings to have been on this planet. The other person would be Joseph Campbell. 
Cool. So what is one thing that you do in the morning or in the evening before sleeping that has improved the quality of your life? Well, in the morning I meditate and I sit and, you know, send my roots down and my crown up. I open my crown chakra and allow the energy to descend and move downward in my body. I call it receiving grace and I just open to that flow. Um, but I spoke about that already. The evening meditation that I like to do that helps me fall asleep is that I review my day chakra by chakra um, from the top down. So I will go, what spiritual insights did I have today? You know, um, what what spiritual moments did I have today? Did I have a good meditation? Did I read something that inspired me? Then I go to the sixth chakra, which is vision. What beauty did I see today? What did I see that was really memorable or an insight? I go to the fifth chakra. What great conversation did I have today? I think this interview will be what I'll review tonight when I go to sleep. Oh, I had a great conversation <laughs> with, with Aditya. Um, you know, where did I love today coming down to the heart chakra? Where did I feel powerful today? Where did I do something that really mattered? Where did I feel pleasure today? And what, what did my body go through today? And usually by the time I get down there, I'm asleep. Wonderful, wonderful. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Well, recently I have read um, a new book by Dawson Church, D-A-W-S-O-N, called Mind to Matter, The Astonishing Science of How Your Brain Creates Material Reality. And he has example after example, really well-researched about how our thoughts create our healing create the reality that we have, and I think it's a game changer. Wonderful. His was also one of the most liked episodes on our show. Uh, maybe it's a good time for us to have him on our show once again. So oh, yeah. thanks a lot for sharing this book. Action Tribe, I know how much you love our book recommendations, and I know that many of you purchase these books as soon as you hear them shared on our show. And that's why, especially if you love podcasts, you will love Audible audiobooks and Audible is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can check out their services. They've got a lot of titles to choose from, a huge library, and you can use it on any device, iPhone, Android, or Kindle. And they've got amazing books uh, by uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, Autobiography of a Yogi, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, and they also have uh, The Chakra System by Anna Judith. So in case you want to get started with Audible and start listening to your first book, then go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book to start listening to your next book. So, Anadea, as always, it was great to chat with you. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how we can find you online. I am grateful to be doing this work in life. I feel so blessed that I have work that means something to me, that I get to travel, interact with wonderful people, and share this knowledge. I'm grateful for it every day. And people can find me at anadeajudith.com. Uh, um, I think that my7chakras.com slash 272book will take them to the charge book. Is that correct? Yes. And um, I do online 
courses and I do live workshops and my schedule is always on my anadayajudith.com website. I have a certification program and I have many books out. And you were talking about Audible, my book Wheels of Life and also Eastern Body, Western Mind are both available on Audible. So there you go, Action Tribe. To order a copy of Anadaya's new book, Charge and the Energy Body, the Vital Key to Healing Your Life, Your Chakras, and your relationships, go to my7chakras.com forward slash 272 book. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 272 book. And in case you just want to listen to a book instead of getting a physical book, then the link you need is my7chakras.com forward slash free book. And you can get started. So, Anadea, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about charges and our chakras and our energy body and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much, Aditya. Delightful to be interviewed by you. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.